Welcome. Together, we're going to explore our personal finances and figure out how to improve them. Whether you're just getting started in life on your finances, or you may already have a home, a car payment, and you're struggling to get credit cards under control. Or you may be getting a late start in life on saving for retirement. ReducedDebtIncreasedWealth.com is a podcast to educate those to improve personal finances, whether it's eliminating debt or making smart investments. Welcome, Mr. Chuck here. With that, the topic this week, I was going to talk about taxes. Does your mortgage interest, that the interest you pay on your mortgage, does that really help you on reducing your income taxes? When I was an accountant and I was doing a lot of income tax returns, I remember a client came in and he said, I have good news. I'm not going to pay any taxes this year. And I said, well, what'd you do? I mean, did you go broke? Go out of business? What? You quit working? No, I refinanced my mortgage. I took out a lot of the equity and I bought myself two new cars and I, and what, and I said, Oh man, why'd you do that? You just wasted a whole bunch of money because it doesn't really help you all that much. He said, why is that? He goes, you know, I don't want to pay any taxes. I goes, well, even though you have a high mortgage debt, that's not such a good thing to do. So I just want to walk you through and tell you why. First of all, your mortgage interest deduction is an itemized deduction. And especially starting since 2018, has increased your standard deduction. The standard deduction is what the government automatically gives you. It automatically reduces your income down where you don't have to do anything. So if you're a single, unmarried, no children or anything, I'm trying to keep this as simple as possible, your itemized your standard deduction is $12,200. If you're married, filing joint, and you, you know, not over 65, not married, not blind or anything, your standard deduction is 24400 So that's quite a bit of mortgage interest you have to have in order to exceed those amounts because you're not going to get any additional tax benefit until you exceed 12200 or 24400 So you got your mortgage interest, you have real estate taxes, you have charitable contributions, if you have a lot of medical expenses that you actually paid for, that's got a limit on it of 7.5% of your federal adjusted gross, so that may or may not help. And you maybe have some uh, work-related things that your employer doesn't uh, pay back. Uh, in the trucking industry, that would be quite a bit because you can take the standard meal allowance for every day you're, you're out instead of the actual expense that you pay. So that adds up in a lot So for you truckers out there. So and to, so to give you an example of what's really happening here, let's say you're single. Oh, no, married, filing joint, you and your spouse both work, and you have a mortgage. I'm not you know saying a value house or anything. I'm just saying a mortgage. You just got a mo new mortgage at 30 years, at 3.25% interest, that may be a little low, could be a little high, depends on what day you're checking. That means your monthly payment is $1,305. I'm rounding that. 
in your first year, you're going to pay $9,661 in mortgage interest. So you need 12000 So you're almost $3,000 short, about $2,500 short. So the only way you're going to exceed that is have a whole lot in real estate taxes. And I didn't really figure that out because I want to go big. Let's say that you're married, filing joint, and you have a $500,000 mortgage. 30 years, three and a quarter percent, same thing. Your monthly payment is $2,176. That means your first year, you're going to pay $17,428 in interest. You still got to exceed $24,400. So that in itself is not helping. But if you pay $10,000 in real estate taxes, you're going to exceed that because now you're going to have $27,429. So you exceed it the 24. So you exceed it to 24,000 by about $3,029. You're in a 20, 30. I'm, I assume you're still left in a 35%. Income tax bracket, so you're going to save $1,060 in income tax. So it costs you $17,000. Actually, it costs you $27,000, but you really can't get out of paying the real estate taxes. You can't reduce that too much. So you paid $17,000 in interest, and you saved $1,060 in income taxes. That's not a good investment. So if you even have 15000 in real estate tax, to be more re- realistic, you, ha- you go over the standard deduction by $8,029. And even at 35% tax rate, you're only going to save $2,800 in taxes. It doesn't, most states, it doesn't affect your state, but it could. But I'm just talking federal here. So it's not a dollar for dollar return on your investment. It's not a good way to reduce your taxes. You're much better off is to get a mortgage that you can afford as low as possible, lowest rate, shortest terms, pay the least amount of interest and get that paid off. And your better tax strategy would be to put money in a 401k, especially if you have an employer that's matching. If the employer is matching 3 or 5%, you should put in 3 or 5%. You should at least the minimum amount should be the match. Because the only thing you can't borrow money for is your retirement. I just thought I'd remind you. And remember, the key thing out there is, it's not really how much money you make, it's how much you keep. So with that said, I'm going to move on to my next topic, which I'm going to be a little bit different. Uh, this week, I'm going to talk about building wealth and how to do that. I know that a lot of you, if you just got started on my plan, you really hadn't made any progress yet. So I just hang in there, keep at it. And remember, I'm going to remind you, uh, know how much is in your checking at all time, project your spending forward. Uh, the farther forward you can project it, you know, the better off you're going to be. Plan ahead for those big expenses that come up, especially the expenses you pay maybe twice a year or once a year. Uh, insurance, maybe, or if you're not paying insurance on a monthly basis. Insurance, real estate taxes, if you're paying it directly and don't have an escrow. Those big things that you're paying uh, once or twice a year, 
if you're getting close to that date, you need to project forward to that to make sure you don't run out of money. You don't want to come up short. You don't want to get too much in your savings account, then come up short and then have to transfer it back. The idea here is only to transfer your discretionary income. That's extra money that you have, the money that you don't need to spend today or in the next week. Put it aside and you're putting it aside so you can build up an emergency fund. The larger that emergency fund is, the better off you're going to be. Especially now that a lot of people are out of work due to this Wuhan coronavirus uh, shutdown going on across the United States. And if it hasn't reached yet, it will. I'm in Ohio. It's gotten here. It's not bad yet, but it's getting worse. And I'm not really affected through work because I'm a truck driver. And I don't really see too many people when I'm out working all the time. I try to avoid people, so there's only a handful of people that I actually get close to, but I'm being careful with that too, because you never know. Project forward, know what you're spending, keep track of it, put the money in your savings, get your emergency fund built up, increase your, you know, if you have retirement, if you can afford at all, if you got a retirement through work, whatever it is, simple IRA, 401k, uh, if you work for the government, any uh, any uh, deferred comp that they have, you reduce your taxes also. And But the main thing is you want to save for that retirement. And the next fa- part, I'm going to talk about building wealth and a little bit how to do it. I'm not a financial planner and I don't want to be a financial planner. So I'm just going to give you some of the basics. For those of you who are struggling to project your finances forward, to figure out what you're going to owe and how much money you're going to have in your checking account moving forward from paycheck to paycheck. And a note again, the farther forward you head, you can project it, the better off you are. But if you're not computer savvy, don't have the time or don't want to take the time, then... I have a solution for you. I have a software. I found a software that does that for you, plus much, much more. So go to my website, reducedebtincreasedwealth.buzzsprout.com. Upper right-hand corner, there's a little folder right next to the heart. Don't click the heart. Click on the folder. It'll take you to a website where you can watch some videos and learn more about this great software that I've been using since April of 2017. Thank you for supporting the show. I'd like to move forward now and start talking about uh, how you build your wealth other than by paying off debt. That's step one. Uh, most of you, if, if you're just getting started, you're probably still struggling. This is just good information to keep in mind for the future. I have an article that kind of covers the investment part of it or the investing part of it. So I'm going to go to that now and I'm going to make comments at the end of it. This article is from Bankrate.com, written by Kendall Little. Best Ways to Invest Your Money in 2019 Investing can seem daunting to some, but it's an essential part of building wealth for retirement and many of life's financial goals. There's always going to be some risk involved with investing, but determining your risk, tolerance, and your time horizon can help you better plan for the future. To decide the best ways to invest your money, find an investment style and establish a set of goals you want to work towards. What is investing and why? When you invest, you allocate your capital or money into stocks, bonds, funds, real estate, or other types of investment 
was the expectation that it would grow over time. That growth is vital to ensuring your money maintains spending power by outpacing forces like inflation. If all your capital simply sits in a checking or savings account for 40 years, it will have much less value when you take it out than it did going in. The trade-off of that growth is risk. Generally, the more growth potential your investment has, the riskier they are. Every investor must balance risk versus reward. But if you choose your investment strategy wisely, historical data shows your likelihood of seeing gainful returns is high. How investing can grow your wealth. When is a good time to start investing? The short answer is now. The long answer, if you're not already investing, you're potentially missing out on thousands of dollars in compound interest that could be earned over time. The longer you wait, the less time your interest has to compound, meaning you earn less over time. If the same person waited just five more years and began investing at age 30, their total retirement savings would be reduced to just over $600,000 by age 65. There is always a risk of loss, but the potential gains make investing a smart choice for even the most cautious customers. If you're all ready to begin investing this year, start by thinking about your investment goals and risk tolerance. Consider your time horizon. The most common reason people invest is to save for retirement, but everyone has a different goal. You may even want to invest for multiple goals at once by taking on multiple investment accounts. You can invest in a retirement account while working to save for a down payment on a house or a college fund for your children. Determining your investment goals can help you decide how to allocate your assets based on your predicted time horizon, long term. If you're interested in investing for a long term like retirement, you can likely afford to take on more risk with a heavy stock-heavy portfolio. The stock market will eventually go through downturns over time, but historical data shows that compound annual returns have averaged about 10% since 1928. While the market fluctuates each year, 40 years of investing of your retirement can bring significant positive returns. Intermediate. For those who start saving for retirement later in life, or have goals about a decade away, a diverse portfolio can help ensure returns while mitigating risk. Investing in a mix of assets through a low-cost mutual fund or an exchange-traded fund, ETF, can help you see the best returns at a risk level you might be more comfortable with. As you draw closer to the end of your intermediate time horizon, you can switch the riskier stocks in your portfolio portfolio to safer investment. A target date fund will do this automatically. This type of investment often held in a mutual fund automatically adjusts your asset mix to risk and risk as you approach the set target date. Short term. If you have short term investing goals like saving for a down payment on a home or a big vacation in a couple years, you should be a bit more cautious with your investment strategy. Safer investment strategies for short-term investors also include money market accounts and CDs, which they don't likely earn as much as mutual fund or ETF or a great way to grow your money while ensuring it stays safe. Determine your risk tolerance. 
Figuring out your investment horizon will also help inform your risk tolerance. Investor focus on short-term goals will likely have a low risk tolerance than someone investing for the retirement 40 years in the future. To mitigate your risk, such as and as general best practice, don't put all your eggs in one basket. If your portfolio is heavy in stock, diversify across different companies and industry. That way, one sector downturn won't leave you too much of a loss. A mutual fund is an easy way to diversify. You can also mitigate risk with different types of investing, holding a heavy mix of stocks and bonds, and readjust the ratio of each or rebalancing as you approach retirement or your goal date can ensure your portfolio remains healthy. Where to invest your money? For most people, the easiest way to begin investing is through a retirement account. Depending on how you're employed or how much you want to invest, there are several retirement options. You should also consider the fees associated with retirement accounts and the types of funds or assets you want each to hold. There's a few of the common retirement offerings. 1. 401k A 401k is an employer-sponsored retirement plan. You may allocate a percentage of each paycheck into your 401k that will grow tax-deferred until you withdraw it from retirement. Many employers also offer contribution match up to a certain percentage. In 2019, the maximum amount you contribute to your 401k is $19,000. If you're older, you may contribute an additional $6,000 through a catch-up contributions. 2. Traditional IRA Like a 401k, your contributions to that tra- traditional IRA go into account pre-tax and are taxed with earnings upon distribution. IRAs are not employer-sponsored. Even if you already participate in an employer's retirement plan, you can still contribute up to $6,000 in a four IRA in 2019. If you're 50 or older, you can con- contribute up to 7000 3. Roth IRA Unlike a 401k or a traditional IRA, contributions you make to a Roth IRA are taxed up front, meaning they grow tax-free and qualified distributions are not taxed upon withdrawal. Like a traditional IRA, you may hold a Roth IRA in addition to your employer-sponsored retirement plan and contribute up to $6,000 in 2019 or up to $7,000 if eligible for catch-up contributions. Contribution limits or combined limits for both types of IRAs mean you cannot contribute the max amount to both. Bank rate guides can help determine if a traditional or Roth IRA is best for you. After maxing out your chosen retirement accounts, or if you're looking for a more short-term option, a brokerage account is another great way to invest your money. While you may choose to actively manage your funds, a passive index funds can Provide returns while offering hands-off management and lower fees. Look into different accounts with a management style and performance that works best for you. Here are a few to consider. 4. Mutual Fund A mutual fund is a managed portfolio that allocates investor capitals into a diversified mix of investments consisting of stocks, bonds, and more. They may differ based on risk, performance, fees, and investment strategies. Mutual funds are popular vehicles for retirement accounts. 5. ETFs Like mutual funds, ETFs allow you to invest in a range of stocks and bonds across companies and sectors. ETFs are easily traded like individual stocks, 
but give investors the diversification of mutual funds. ETFs are generally considered more tax-efficient than mutual funds and often come with lower minimums and fewer costs, making them a great option for beginner investors. 6. Money Market Funds Money market funds are a type of mutual funds that are made up of low-risk investments like CDs and short-term bonds. Money market funds are considered safe investment and liquidity makes them a great option for short-term investments of five years or or less. Choosing a broker. In today's world, new investors often open an account simply by downloading an app or clicking on a website. Familiarizing yourself with the types of investments that you're looking for can help you choose the right broker or advisor. Robo-advisors. You've probably heard of popular robo-advisors like Acorn, Wealthfront, and Betterment, which are great resources for beginners and advanced investors alike. Robo-advisors are convenient, offer low fees, and usually have lower minimums than traditional brokers. While each robo-advisor varies, many allow you to simply choose your time horizon and risk tolerance and then create a portfolio for you that you can rebalance as your target date approach. Online brokers. Online brokers like E-Trade, Alley, Invest, and TD Ameritrade are easily accessible options for investors that want fewer costs than traditional advisors, but more, but are more hands-on than robo-advisors often allow. Depending on what you're looking for in an, an online broker, whether you value convenience, educational tools, agreeable minimums, or low costs, Bankrate's 2019 Brokers Review can help you find the best online broker for your needs. Financial Advisor If you have a more complicated portfolio or you you simply want face-to-face interaction, a traditional financial advisor may be the best option. While you likely pay higher fees for an advisor, they can provide in-depth management advice and guidance and even help you establish a more comprehensive overall financial plan. Bottom line. Any new investor should look to begin by preparing for retirement in a tax advantage account, whether through an employer-sponsored plan or an individual retirement account fund. Individual broker accounts can also be a great way for new investors to grow their money over time with the help of an advisor or online broker. Stocks and bond funds aren't only the ways to invest. You may choose to invest in individual stocks, real estate, peer-to-peer lending, crowdfunding, or even gold. Whichever mix of investments you choose, your chances of success can be improved by diversifying your portfolio and aligning the investment you select with your own risk tolerance and the time horizons of your goals. And now for a few comments. I highly recommend if you have more than $25,000 to invest to use a financial advisor. They are a fiduciary which means they work for you, they're not working for themselves. They usually charge based on a percentage of your portfolio. So the better you do, the better they do. So with that said, that's that's what I do. Now, as far as other ways, uh, advisors or whatever, if you're just getting started and don't have a lot of money, a robo-advisor is a good way to go. They generally, you know, it's an app you download into your smartphone. It doesn't take a whole lot of money to get started. Some of them as low as $5. Uh, the one I use 
uh, they, you know, $5 and they buy fractions of shares of stock. There's a lot of information out there. Uh, they provide you with a lot of educational information and they give you strategies that are fairly sound and work well. But if drop mark, stock market takes a really big drop, <laughs> doesn't matter what strategy you got. You just need to hang on tight and wait it out because it will go back up. Now, with that said, uh, the, the IRAs and Roth IRAs that they have in there, the, just might want to ask your tax advisor before you set one up. If you have a 401k at work, I'm pretty sure there's limits. Uh, there's uh, caps on how much you can contribute to IRA if you have a 401k uh, based on your income. So beware of that. You don't want to be paying penalties to the IRS because that's just going to not help you get your debt under control. But, you know, one or the other right now, if you're struggling to pay down debt, is probably a good way to go. You need to start saving and you need to start getting that emergency fund built up, which should stay in a savings account. Uh, money market ain't going to pay you much today. So just like a savings account, if you get more than two or three thousand, uh, go online. I think I've said it before. Look for a high yield savings account, which is basically an online bank that can afford to pay you more. Now, investment to build wealth, investment is one of the ways to go. There's other ways you can build your wealth. And uh, you'll probably find articles because I have that says uh, long term investment, you know, diversifying and having a strategy and based on your risk and age and whatever, they're saying that's the slow road to wealth. And the other ways is to building wealth is you want to invest your money in time. Some of it takes more time. Some of it takes more money into an activity that will give you residual income. And residual income is income that you earn by not having to do a whole lot after you get it going. And one of the first things or the easiest ways to go is rental properties. Go out and buy real estate. Real estate is in itself a good investment. But if it's a rental property, say a two-family or a four-family, you rent it out and you can get somebody else to pay that mortgage for you. You just The trick is you got to keep it rented out at all the times. You got to keep maintenance up on it. And you got to make the repairs. There can be some headaches or not, but it over time you can definitely uh, make some money. Just look at what Trump did. Uh, that's you know rental property. That was his big thing. A lot more expensive, bigger numbers, but the same thing. And I'm going to talk more about these different categories. And then you can have online sales. You can have an e-commerce account, which is basically a website where you try to sell something. Which that's a lot of work. You got to get it set up, you got to promote it and whatever, but you know, it's open 24 seven. You know, if you watch the auction places, you know, uh, 24 seven, yeah, yes, a website's open 24 seven, but you got to keep it updated. You got to do maintenance to it and that kind of stuff. You can also do like what I'm doing. I'm not making any money yet or don't really plan on it, but you can uh, do your own podcast if you know something about a good subject matter that other people are interested in. You can make videos and so you can be an influencer or whatever they call it nowadays. And then you have the direct marketing companies 
where once you get set up two, three years, it could provide you as a residual income, but I think you got to still working at it. New episodes are released weekly. Subscribe so you can follow Mr. Chuck's journey to reducing debt and financial freedom as you do the same. If you like this podcast, please share.